Hey, it's Gabe. I want to recommend a podcast I think you'll enjoy called What Could Go Right. On What Could Go Right, the hosts, Progress Network founder Zachary Carabell and Executive Director Emma Varva-Lucas, sit down with expert guests to discuss the world's most pressing issues. They look back at how far society has come and look forward to what it will take to achieve a brighter future. If you're looking for a weekly dose of optimistic ideas from smart people, listen to What Could Go Right wherever you get your podcasts. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. What if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, build, and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com slash consulting. IBM. Let's create. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets, in the car while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This Day in History class is a production of iHeartRadio. Hello, and welcome to This Day in History class, a show that unspools history one day at a time. I'm Gabe Lusier, and in this episode, we're talking about one of the less glamorous milestones of movie history, the day when American films began to be rated not by their merit, but by their content. The day was November 1st, 1968. The Motion Picture Association of America announced its first-ever rating system for films. The MPAA's ratings were developed to better inform audiences, primarily parents, about the content they could expect to see in a movie. The ratings were provided for most movies released to American theaters, and the four criteria used to determine them included theme, language, violence, and nudity, or sexual content. The U.S. film industry was a latecomer with regard to film classification. Countries such as Australia and the United Kingdom had already been rating their films for decades. But for American parents trying to determine if a movie was appropriate for their kids to watch, the ratings were better late than never. Film ratings were a new venture for the MPAA, but the organization itself had existed since the early days of Hollywood. By the early 1920s, the U.S. government was threatening a crackdown on the movie industry. 
they had received numerous complaints about Hollywood from the general public, not only for the allegedly indecent content shown on screen, but also for the many movie star scandals that made headlines week after week. Local censoring boards had already formed to ban and boycott the movies and celebrities they deemed morally corrupting, but many felt local efforts weren't enough and began to call for federal intervention at the movie house. Rather than waiting for the government to impose standards on filmmaking, America's major movie studios decided to practice self-censorship instead. In 1922, they founded the Motion Picture Producers and Distributors of America, the MPPDA. The members of the trade organization represented about 80% of U.S. filmmaking at the time, and their goal was to put a more respectable face on the Hollywood industry. To help with that task, the group hired former Postmaster General Will H. Hayes to be the first president of the MPPDA. Then, using the complaints they'd gathered from local censoring boards as a guide, they introduced the Motion Picture Production Code, nicknamed the Hayes Code, which outlined, often vaguely, the kind of content that would no longer be allowed in movies. This forbidden material included, quote, excessive and lustful kissing, sex perversion, miscegenation, and indecent or undue exposure. Oh, and for good measure, the code also issued a blanket ban on anything that, quote, lowered moral standards of viewers. To be clear, the MPPDA didn't have the power to enforce its guidelines. It could review movies for compliance with the code, but it was left for studios to decide whether or not to implement the recommended changes. That said, most filmmakers did comply with the code, simply to avoid public backlash or potential lawsuits. In that way, the Hayes Code helped secure the financial viability of the fledgling movie industry by greatly reducing the public controversy surrounding it. However, as many filmmakers then and now would tell you, that security often came at the cost of full artistic freedom. As time went on, the MPDAA changed its name to the much shorter MPAA, the Motion Picture Association of America. Even under its new name, though, the organization still relied on the old Hayes Code to inform Hollywood movie making. But by the 1960s, those original guidelines had begun to look quite dated and some studios began to overstep or even outright ignore them. The reality was that social norms had shifted dramatically since the 1930s, leading to a much wider acceptance of former taboos on screen, such as sexuality, drug use, and violence. It was that relaxed social climate that allowed the Hayes Production Code to be overhauled into the film rating system we know today. One of the biggest proponents of that change was the then-current president of the MPAA, Jack Valenti, a former ad man and advisor to President Lyndon Johnson. As soon as Valenti took the job in 1966, he began loosening restrictions in the old code and looking for ways to dismantle it entirely. His big break came two years later when the Supreme Court weighed in on the case of Interstate Circuit Inc. versus Dallas. The court ruled that local governments did not have the authority to ban movies from being shown to adults, but did have the power to pass laws preventing children from being exposed to certain material. In other words, studios no longer had to worry about their movies being outright banned due to their content, 
but they did need to make it clear which movies were suitable for different age groups. With that in mind, Valenti and the MPAA developed a rating system to warn audiences about the content of a specific movie in advance. That way, they could decide for themselves the type of movie they wanted to watch, without having to impose outside restrictions on filmmakers. The rating system was announced on November 1st, 1968, and was put into use nationwide by the end of the month. The initial plan had been to have just three ratings, G for general audiences, M for mature audiences, and R for restricted, meaning no one under 16 admitted without an adult. However, the National Association of Theater Owners pushed for the creation of a fourth adults-only category to avoid possible legal trouble. This resulted in the X rating, for which no one under the age of 17 would be admitted, whether an adult was with them or not. Those four original ratings, G, M, R, and X, were revised several times in the years that followed. PG was added for films where parental guidance was suggested. M was changed to PG-13, meaning that parental guidance was suggested for anyone under the age of 13. The age restriction for R-rated movies was changed from 16 to 17, and the X rating was changed to the more descriptive NC-17. No children under 17 admitted. These are the ratings still in use today, and they're typically accompanied by descriptions of the content that resulted in that rating. Much like the Hayes Code, the rating system is technically voluntary. Filmmakers can always choose not to submit their films for rating, in which case they'll receive an unrated label, which simply means that the ratings board hasn't weighed in on the movie's content one way or the other. That said, most American theaters refuse to screen unrated movies for fear of upsetting their customers, and many publications won't run ads for films without ratings. That means that even though the rating system isn't mandatory, most filmmakers are compelled to submit to it anyway. By now, you may be wondering who decides when a movie should be rated. After all, the members of the MPAA are all part of the film industry, so they can't be reviewing and rating their own movies, right? Well, first of all, the organization eventually had yet another name change. It's now just the MPA the Motion Picture Association. But no, it doesn't determine the ratings on its own. Instead, the ratings are decided by a separate division called the Classification and Ratings Administration, or CARA. The group is composed of 8 to 14 members, all of whom must work outside of the entertainment industry and must have children between the ages of 5 and 15 when they join. The only other restriction on membership is that a member must leave the group once their children turn 21. CARA members watch each film together before it's released in theaters, and then assign it a rating by majority vote. As you might imagine, that arrangement has led to a great many controversies over the years. Many have accused the ratings board of being too lenient on major studios and established filmmakers, handing out softer ratings than they do when similar content appears in independent or foreign films. That subjective approach to film rating can be a serious problem, since the rating a film receives often determines who will watch it and how much money it will earn. Once again, just like with the Hayes Code, the non-mandatory need for a certain rating can and does hinder artistic expression. If a studio thinks a certain scene will earn a movie too high a rating, 
then they might insist on cutting that scene for a chance at a bigger box office. In the decades since its debut, the MPA has rated more than 30,000 films and counting at a rate of roughly 600 each year. The merits of those ratings remain an ongoing debate, but for many parents, there's no denying the usefulness of clear content warnings for films. Just remember that movie ratings are only recommendations and will always be influenced by the tastes and biases of whoever currently assigns them. And if you still need more proof of that, keep in mind that Frozen and Jaws are both rated PG. I'm Gabe Luzier, and hopefully you now know a little more about history today than you did yesterday. If you have a second and you're so inclined, consider following us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at TDIHCshow. And if you have any comments or suggestions, feel free to send them my way by writing to thisday at iheartmedia.com. Thanks to Chandler Mays for producing the show, and thank you for listening. I'll see you back here again tomorrow for another day in history class. You wouldn't expect to hear that we're America's third best city for beer like this one. Or home to vibes like this. And this. It might surprise you that we're top 10 for immersive art that's like. Whoa. And hmm. not to mention, we have one of the top zoos in the country. So can a city with the country's best pro soccer team, ranking as a top culinary destination in the world, be in your own backyard? Yes, Columbus. Plan your summer at experiencecolumbus.com slash summer. A collision between a Chinese jet and an American spy plane. He came and rammed into our left wing. With relations increasingly strained, what are the chances of things spinning out of control? The Western world was asleep. I'm Gordon Carrera. I'll be exploring the friction in this most important of relationships and asking, has the West taken its eye off the ball? You cannot ignore China. From BBC Radio 4, this is Shadow War, China and the West. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Have you ever wondered what it would be like to have supervision, enhanced hearing, extraordinary reflexes, to be, dare we say, superhuman? Well, Roku's new Pro Series TV can't do any of that for you. But with a 4K screen, side-firing speakers, and a blazing fast refresh rate, it'll sure feel like it. Elevate your entertainment using all your favorite apps like iHeart and play all your music, radio, and podcasts with the new Roku Pro Series. Your senses aren't better. Your TV is. We are the voice of NASCAR. The green flag is in the air, and we are underway. The great American race. The Motor Racing Network. NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Craftsman Truck Series Racing. Live on your hometown radio station and MRN or NASCAR.com. Martinsville, Talladega, the Chicago Street Course. We have the side-by-side action, and last lap passes for the win. Photo finishes. Ryan Blaney will win. The voice of NASCAR, the Motor Racing Network work.